0: Welcome to Brand Designs, the podcast where we follow the stories from brand owners, founders and senior leaders in retail and e-commerce as they share their incredible journeys as entrepreneurs, innovators and troubleshooters. We hope you enjoy the show. Good morning and welcome to another in the series of Brand Designs with myself, James Davey. And we have Nathan, as per usual, uh, sitting in the wings from Quickfire Digital. Good morning, Nathan. How are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Very good,
0: and, and we're pleased to have with us today uh, David and, and Rishma from uh, Root Kitchen. Good morning, guys. How are you?
2: Good, thank you.
0: Good. Nice to meet you both. Absolutely, and yourself. So the, the the opening gambit for us is always tell us a little bit about Root Kitchen and where you are on your journey at the moment. Just give us a little bit of a, a background.
2: So we'll um, <laughs> tell you how Root Kitchen came about. So um, obviously David and I are... Um, David's my brother-in-law, so it's quite a strange combination. And I have had some health issues over the last few years, um, and decided that I would try trial a number of different diets to see if that could help help me in any way, because I needed some form of relief, um, and you know I wasn't getting it any medical way, so. Um, plant-based diet was one of the the main diets that I trialed and um, as I was as I was doing it I began researching into just the plant-based industry because I found it quite fascinating and uh, David was also very interested at the same time Um, and we just I think over I think it was a someone's a family birthday we were just chatting at the end of the table um, and, and we both just expressed how much we found it interesting and how how good we thought it would be to do some plant-based meals. Um, and it just went from there, really.
3: So to give you a bit of background mm-hmm. as well, um, Rishma's mother set up a ready meal manufacturing business. So Rish, you're probably better. Yeah,
2: here. so uh, I work also with my family. Um, we make ready meals um And Layla, my mum, set up, a company called Lather's Fine Foods about 35 years ago now. And so I've been in the food industry for a long time. I've seen lots of different trends, um, lots of lots of different things. Um, and I suppose that's where my um, inspiration came from. Um, I needed to do something different. I wanted to do something for myself rather than something that was just within, within the family um, as a whole because there's a few of us. Um, and 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 David felt the same. So that's what, how we got to here. So, but we we and our other business produce ready meals, ready made meals for, for supermarkets and food service.
1: Guys, I've been dying we- to ask in terms of the uh, process that goes on behind getting these ready meals to market so many people maybe just see a ready meal on the shelf and just think it's been chucked together but talking in the green room about the taste test and all sorts i found it so fascinating just share a little bit about the process the that you have to go through just to get the quality of meal that you want to be delivering rich particularly around the taste test i found that amazing
2: So um every every day i do a taste panel um, with the quality team and the mpd team and we are checking products that were produced from the previous day and um, uh, we're just checking the quality against the quality attributes as to where they should be and um, making sure that we're happy with them so you know we do end up tasting quite a lot of food every day but it, it's really important to make sure that everything that we're producing is how, how it's supposed to be um, and sometimes we will do consistency panels as well so we'll compare different batch codes against each other just to check that it is in line with where it should be. Because sometimes when you're looking at just one product alone, it, it will seem fine, but then you don't see the difference unless you compare it against the other ones that you've that you've made previously. So, you know, we're hot on it. We try and, you know, quality is up there as one of the most important things for us.
0: And I suppose that comes from obviously the family business producing for yeah. the supermarkets, having done us not not in your sector, but producing for supermarkets in the past. The quality element is ridiculous, isn't it, in terms of their, their spot-checking and what they do to make sure that quality goes through their doors before it goes into their customers. Definitely, uh, it.
2: it's so important. And, you know, with this being our, our own brand, um, you know, we, we want we want to be proud of our products and we want uh, customers to come back to try them and buy them again. I think if the, if there's any issues and someone picks has a meal and they don't enjoy it, then they're not going to come back. Um, so it is so important. It's such a big part of the business.
0: Well, so
3: just say, go, thank Rishma, me, sorry. No, Rishma is a, a real perfectionist when it comes to meals. Honestly, I've been itching to get this root kitchen launch for like six yeah. months before we actually launched. But she's like tweaking, developing the range and, and getting it absolutely perfect before we launch really.
2: Yeah, I needed to make sure that you know the product was was just right, flavour profile wise, appearance wise, and that. Um, it was it was something that we could do in the process as well because it's all very well developed it's in the development but when you put them into the factory that's sometimes where the issues come up yeah. and you know you have to be mindful that a, fa- a factory environment is slightly different to a development kitchen so it's very important things that will definitely fit into the process correctly and that you end up with the product that you wanted to
0: and I suppose that's something for quite a lot of people looking to get into this, this industry in some ways, whether it's food or drink. Um, that difference between, as you say, a development kitchen and batch yeah. cooking is significantly different, isn't it, in terms of what, 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 what are the kind of two or three things that you'd say to someone looking to come into the market to say, actually, here are the things you need to be aware of in that difference?
2: Um. I'd say it really depends on the process and the way that everybody cooks, but um, I just make I'd be very sure to analyze the product in the development kitchen first, so you know exactly how you want it, and be prepared to have to make some changes when you go to the factory because things you know, nothing ever goes to plan in food manufacturing from development to factory. So you just have to be open to making some slight tweaks to the product to get it where it needs to be. I think one thing that we see from scaling up from the the factory is its source consistency actually and it's the level of um corn cool flour in the product always needs to be tweaked because it's so much different working in such a bigger scale of recipe.
0: And does that mean, looking back at that six months of preparation to go live, Dave, you mentioned it kind of six months that you covered well it get stepped up and running, a little bit longer by the of things. Do, now, in hindsight, do you, would you have not taken that as much time? Or, or, no. Or no it's...
2: I think that it was important to take the time because it was our first range of meals. Um, and it wasn't just the time tweaking those recipes that we've launched. We were looking at a, a huge number of recipes and deciding out of them which ones we could whittle down to the ten that we were going to launch. So it it was it was a big it was a long process. Um, I think next time it won't take as long because we'll probably know where we want to go with the products. But because it was a new business altogether, it, it just took a little bit longer.
1: David, let's go. Let's start looking at the marketing side. In terms of marketing and sales, how did you go through that process of ide- identifying the ideal customer profile and then choosing the channels to go after them? Is that something that you looked after? And if so, what was the process you went through to say, OK, we're going to focus our attention on social media, perhaps, as opposed to Google Ads, or we're going to do this versus that? So
3: obviously, we looked at the market and we saw other companies right? Obviously, we're not the only people that are doing this at the moment. With plant-based in such a a big boom, um, and I guess it was just looking at where where they were active, um, because obviously there's a market that's been created already, um, and there's a customer base that's active and engaging with these brands. And we we found that you know some channels they were they were more active than others, and I guess that's where we wanted to focus ourselves. Um, because obviously there's a market being created, but we need to create our brand and get it in front of people. So
0: it's it's knowing that balance yeah. between getting the brand positioned, isn't it, and also making sure that you're you've got enough of an audience there that is going to buy into that brand. In many ways, it's it's trying to find that balance of product and audience.
3: Definitely, and that that's the good thing about launching as a D2C brand as well. So we've kind of taken it. We, we didn't like burst straight into it and start like throwing loads of money at, um social media marketing we wanted to grow our our audience say on instagram quite organically at first mm-hmm. um, because that's you get to know your customer and that's the good thing about launching as a d2c brand rather than going straight into retail you can kind of refine your products learn what people like what they don't like um and you know even in terms of recipe development like we, we ran a competition before we launched um, where our followers could suggest dishes that they'd like to see. And, you know, we had some really interesting entries in that. Didn't we did, we? yeah, it was yeah. really
2: interesting, some great ideas.
3: But going back to what you said, then, you can have something that looks amazing and, you know, tastes amazing. But when it comes to scaling it up, Bruce and her team of MPD chefs had to do quite a lot of work to make sure we chose something we that work worked in the factory.
2: We did, and you know, um, you know cause these recipes that were developed and sent to us were from people's kitchens, um, and it was very much on a smaller scale. And what might be quite easy to do, it was that easy to do in a factory. So, yeah, we were we were nice. careful, but the, that we chose in the end, the aubergine noodles is such a lovely dish. It really is. So.
1: Let's address the elephant in the room, which is the, the brother-in-law, sister-in-law combination. I mean, <laughs> many people are like, OK, yeah, we won't go into business with family. Maybe I'm doing some work where one of the other episodes in series two is uh, she's working with a mother and father. But actually, mm. brother-in-law, sister-in-law, I'm so intrigued. How did you... Uh, well, obviously, it came about with this kind of dining table. And you, you've kind of been in that world a little time. But how does it work now in terms of roles and responsibilities? Do you ever find each other treading on each other's toes or are you quite good in terms of knowing where the line is?
2: You know, I, I think we're working quite well together. I mean, David's incredibly laid back and I'm incredibly hot-tempered. So, you know, it, it actually just really works very, very well together. And um, uh, We know, you know, I'm no expert at marketing. That is not my forte at all. You know, I, my skills lie within products and product costing and, and sales at David that's good at the marketing side of things. And
3: similarly, you will not want to eat anything that i cook for you, so <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was the early, that was the very easy early decision, wasn't it? Yeah,
2: Definitely. so yeah, and nice. you know we, we appreciate each other's opinions on on our areas that we look after yeah. and I think it's just a matter of respect, so I respect David and he respects me and, and it seems to work and I can't say there's not moments where sometimes they're might sort of just grip my teeth or, or whatever. But it doesn't happen very. It have to say it doesn't happen very often. I mean, I've worked with families for 15 years now, um, and David and my relationship is the least volatile relationship out of all of them,
0: definitely.
3: Do you find the other, from the
0: other? Go on, David. Sorry.
3: sorry. The other good thing about having two founders as well is, um, I'm I'm quite. I'll just rush in and do something if I think it's great. You know, I'm dying to do it. And Rishma, like I said before, is a real perfectionist. So to to have a balance, maybe to kind of restrain me from kind of going straight (coughs) into things is is probably quite a good thing.
2: Definitely. I like to take my time with decisions, make sure it's the
3: right
0: thing. You often often find some of the best teams um, have that balance of uh, what I call a reactor and a reflector. So yeah. you know, the, the two together are, are kind of, they balance each other out or can balance each other out uh, very well. And so it does, it does often make a very good team, especially when boards are being made up in, in business, trying to find collaborative souls that often are, you know, it's that, from that great poet, Paul Abdul, opposites attract. You know, it's that, kind of, it's that kind of really weird piece of getting different people's uh, views in a room. To debate it, half the bit about growing a business is having healthy conversation and argument. There's nothing wrong with that in it's like Um, From a respect perspective, do you think having come from a family business and generating a family business, does respect just naturally come as part of that family um, network? Or do you feel as though that's a different hurdle that you have to overcome in a business mindset?
2: Um, I, I mean, you know, obviously, I respect all my family members, but I think sometimes when think you know, when there's more than two of you, sometimes the respect does go out the window because there's lots of too many different opinions sometimes. Um, working in a family different business is difficult, but it's also extremely rewarding at the same time. I suppose the way that you speak to your family is not necessarily how you speak to a colleague, very true. So, like I said earlier, that I'm slightly hot tempered. None of my colleagues that work that I work with that aren't my family know, know that about me. It's really only my family that get to see that side of me. So okay. I think you act slightly family than you would with just normal colleagues.
3: Definitely. And, and then that, it- cuts through, that cuts through all the kind of niceties and you get yeah. to the real issue and get it resolved, I guess, a lot quicker.
0: So, in terms of mentoring and your kind of inspiration behind what you do are there any external parties or people that you look up to and go actually for root kitchen that's where we want to be that's that's our kind of support network that's our kind of goal if, where would you see that in you? Yeah, i think
3: obviously mum's mum's an amazing yeah, story you know my
2: mum my is you know someone that i really look up to mm. she's extremely talented with food and and she just wants to give people good food and she's done incredibly well with the business that she's got and she's was an awarded an MBE for um services to the food and drink industry so you know she definitely is a huge inspiration to me um but in terms of you know the plant-based market and the plant-based business you know it's all a bit new to me and there's lots of different companies that I think are doing amazing jobs there's there's so many people out there that are really pushing Pushing this forward, and, and I think it's fantastic. But I, I don't personally, at this moment, have someone that, I, that I'd say is my inspiration for, for that type of thing. We,
3: we are on the ProVeg incubator as well, which has been really interesting. Yeah. So we're about halfway through it, and that's the, um, one of the leading plant-based business incubators. And as part of that, we've been on loads of really interesting workshops. So you know, you're learning from people who've been through pre- starting up. A- yeah,
2: it's a number yeah. of different person
3: definitely um and you learn about all sorts obviously you have modules on marketing food law they have previous um cohorts coming back on and giving you an update and and it and it shows you that obviously whilst everything's kind of seeming a struggle sometimes there's people who've been through what you're doing and you yeah. come out yeah. Outside, so.
1: would you say your family were particularly supportive when you announced uh, that you were going to go into business together or was there much reluctance or hesitation that actually if it didn't work out it could cause a drive between the uh, a kind of wedge between the family
2: i think they were actually quite supportive i think um i think they were a little bit jealous that we'd come up with a new idea and that we were doing it together more than anything but I, I, splinter I, I
0: group were, pardon <laughs> a splinter group
2: <laughs> yeah I
3: th- but i think we've had nothing but support from them think, david no they're really an entrepreneurial family mm-hmm. so um you know at, at the end of the day it's um rishma's family business that are going to be well for, for meals so if we can kind of bring more profitable business to their business and win as yeah, well,
1: and if you talk much about the story behind the, the brand in terms of Rich? You, obviously, it was based off your challenges that you've then gone. Have you had to then become the face of the brand? And if so, how have you both found getting behind the camera and building this personal brand as well as the business brand?
2: Um, I, I think it's been. It is, we've not got behind the camera that much so far. Um, I don't have any issues with it at all. I'm quite an open person. Um. I think it's very much equal isn't it in terms of the face of the business i mean david spends a lot more time talking to other people in the industry than i do because i'm often quite factory based as well in, in my role so i'm not always in an office
3: so i think going back onto that brishmas is the story so she she recently found the pain point um basically what we want to do with root kitchen is make quality nutritious plump and accessible to others so not just not everyone can afford the the recipe boxes that you get every month yeah. and that that was the pain point that we are looking to to kind of fill so
2: if I just, we- yeah the a lot of the d2c companies are are, are expensive it's expensive you know and I just said to David it's not fair from just because you want to eat a plant-based diet that you have to pay so much money and I get why they're expensive because a lot of the raw materials are expensive the factory process is more expensive being vegan you know there's a lot more work that needs to go into the segregation and stuff in the factory but I just said to David wouldn't it be good if we could give something that was more affordable Affordable. and a bit more mainstream as well because as much as the, the other companies' uh products are fantastic for, for me i didn't necessarily i'm not really um the sort of person that wanted to eat lots of seeds and loads of different textures in my food all the time um, some some days you just want to have you know a, a standard meal but i just wanted a plant-based standard meal um and, and i think that's really where we've got what we've gone for to make it affordable and a, a bit more mainstream
1: I think what a success really, but like... Go on, Jenny.
0: I, I think that's, that's really, you know, £4.50 a meal. You buy into your box of 10, for example, you're at £4.50 a meal, which I think, you know, as a as an average consumer is, is perfectly manageable, especially when you sit it alongside other ready meals in the market. You trip down to, you know, Tesco, Sainsbury's, wherever, to kind of pick up your ready meal. It sits in that kind of area. And then that's for a standard spaghetti carbonara on the shelf. The minute you start putting it alongside a a vegan-based meal or plant-based meal? And I think I'd love to ask that question in a minute in terms of is there a difference between the two. And the the positioning looks to be really, really solid for you to be able to both scale from direct to consumer, but also potentially because of your network as well into the retailers start to push this out into a retail network. Is is that something that you're looking towards doing in terms of without giving away any trade secrets, but you know, is that part of your, your plan?
2: Yeah, that's definitely something that we want to do going forward. And I think, you know, we really want to concentrate on the DTC going forward and we want to move to some some point. But the DTC, like David said earlier, is the best way to start because yeah. you, you can understand your products mm-hmm. and um, what the teams want a little bit more first before you go there.
0: It means that you all, the all... from a focus group of one, doesn't it? You know, the, the, just asking yeah. one particular individual, which is the retail buyer as to whether they like it or not, so it's, it's really good.
3: The, the £4.50 um, price point, obviously from from a marketing perspective, you know how much cost per acquisition is of new customers online, especially in the vegan space at the moment. So I can understand obviously why, why these meals are a little bit more expensive and also sending frozen products out anyway in, in boxes yeah. is expensive you yeah. can't get away from that you need the right insulation you need it to be eco-friendly and you need it to get there quickly so mm-hmm. that, that's why they're they're, um, they're more expensive mm-hmm. but you're paying for convenience and we ideally our our factories is, is set up for, for manufacturing and, and into retail and um, you know rather than picking and packing orders yeah. to go out because that, as is we've got the bigger that is hard work and it's yeah. something that we've not done before that's D-
2: david just that side of things i'll leave the picking and the packing to david but it, it is it, he just, it is a lot of work isn't it and
3: yeah so i'm desperately ringing around the supermarkets at the moment just so i can get out of that freezer <laughs> nice and, and, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you guys could roll back the clocks what would you do differently in the the short has been going is there anything you think crumbs if we'd known what we know now back then we certainly wouldn't have done that
3: two things that spring to mind um first of all we when we first set up thought to cut corners and use a standard box that we had in the factory um mm-hmm. for sending some samples out and we were going to use it as our box for uh, sending out to customers but we sent some meals out to our photographer um who is only probably about an hour away but he arrived the next day and he sent a picture doing that. yeah they'd not
2: they'd not traveled well so
3: yeah the box had fallen apart and uh, yeah that was like the week before we launched so there was a big uh scrabble around right. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and also i think sometimes when it comes to online marketing it is a lot of people are quick to and also included there's a funnel, isn't there? So we we kind of put ourselves straight out there, throwing loads of money at social media marketing when perhaps the, the website wasn't set up to convert correctly. Um, and since since we started taking a step back, our conversion rate's gone a lot better because we've been looking at driving traffic through other sources and then retargeting through social media rather than kind of, yeah. you know, I heard an analogy about a leaky bucket once where obviously I'm not claiming it's mine or anything, but if you're pouring a load of water into a leaking bucket, then it's the same with social media. You can throw loads of money at it, but if your website's not set up to convert properly, then, you know, you're going to be wasting a lot of hunger before. Yeah. Um,
0: Especially when you start talking about most brands in a subscription space, which is where you are um, in in some respects, they very rarely ever make profit on the first order or the second order. Or sometimes even the third. Year. So yeah. you know, for many for many brands, in order to get cut through in the market, that remarketing and that consistent brand conversation that needs to hit home with the target market just keeps going and keeps going. It's it's, it's a it's a constant uh, kind of battle to make sure the creator's already updated and you know, you're getting the best quality imagery you can get and little videos. And it's it's quite tiring, isn't it? It's quite a battle to kind of keep on top of that cr- constant creative churn.
3: It is, but it's quite interesting. And I think with us, richmond and I have funded this business ourselves so far. And with having a limited budget against other people in the the market who are, you know, either from a much larger brand or they've got VC funding and and a lot more cash to burn, then it it makes you kind of really, okay. yeah, careful with where you put your marketing budget and. And get the absolute
0: most for it. So, I do think that's a trait, though. I think actually we see larger brands, you know, having come from both sides of the camp, Um larger brands with larger budgets tend to, I'm going to say, it, they they tend to be slightly lazy uh, in terms of some of their marketing because it's oh, well, it's all brand awareness, it's all kind of great. That that is really important. But turning, you know, it's like putting opening a store with no till. It kind of yeah. it defeats it the is. object, really, doesn't it?
1: yeah david what have you learned in terms of conversion i'm really interested to find out again so many brands come to us and they think they've got a traffic problem and they're not getting enough people but actually the website's not sweating hard enough what are some of the things that you guys changed to improve that conversion you say you took a step back and maybe made some tweaks was there anything in particular you did on the website that really helped improve conversion rate yeah so there's there's a couple i think
3: we're on the, like the Third or fourth iteration of the checkout process um, now, so um, that ha- still is probably not where it needs to be for us in terms of like a one one-click checkout. We we would like to move towards something like that, but I think it, a lot of what we've learned is happening off the website as well. So we've always managed to get decent levels of traffic free, but I think um, we're we're focusing more on SEO. Um, and google ppc in terms of the top of the funnel marketing activities because people um, you know you can come up with all this lovely content and put it out to people who've got an interest in vegan foods and stuff Where if they're um, not at that kind of consideration or decision making stage then you know you're wasting a lot and that's something that we've We've just looked to refine the way that we're bringing kind of qualified leads to the um, site instead of, you know, just as many people as possible.
1: Yeah. And what have you seen in terms of loyalty? Do you find that once someone's chosen their manufacturer, that actually they tend to stick them for years and years and years and are very reluctant to switch? Or do you think actually the second you come in a little bit more competitively on price or maybe a slightly better taste, then they're, they're happy to jump?
3: No, I think I think there's some other good companies in in the space, and you know, says so there's four or five weeks in a month, there's four or five customer, uh, four or five other companies. So we get people who order from us every week or every couple of weeks, and then you'll get some who will probably want to order us, order from us once a month, you know, and then try some of the other the, the other people, um, but that that again links into what Rishi's doing because we've launched with a range of 10 um, but we want to give our most loyal subscribers especially the people who are ordering every week more of an, an option so um, it's it's hard enough to acquire a new customer in terms of the, the amount that you've got to spend to do it so it's a lot easier to kind of give the customers that you have got something else and you know keep them Kind of in your pool, if that makes sense. Completely. So that's why is tasting and working hard at the moment.
2: Lots more ideas and lots more products to come, definitely.
0: How how do you? What's the kind of customer feedback been around uh, plant based for a family? So let me ask the question: What is there a difference between plant based and vegan?
2: It is pretty much this. It's the same thing. It's just that I always refer to it as plant based rather than vegan. I find. Vegan, a little bit more of a because um, I mean, I think we are also targeting flexitarians as well as vegans, and um, so uh, I think plant based just sounds a little bit open, yeah. more open. So that's, that's why I always use that terminology.
3: So, we've done quite a lot of research on customer type as well, and I think where we're positioning ourselves is that the busy midweek meal time. And um, yes. so coming in for an evening meal and you're reaching into your freezer, you're trying to cut down on your meat, meat intake, whether it be through the week or in general, um, all the time. If you can reach into your freezer and have a plant-based meal there as opposed to, you know, um, like the equivalent meat-based products, then, you know, it'll a, help you step stick to your diet and your plant-based diet.
2: And because you know. I mean, lots of people that are moving towards vegan or plant-based. You know, I think it, it isn't a, it's, They don't just stop dead with eating meat. Some people do. It depends are the reasons of why they're doing it. Um, but they sort of transition across. Um, and for me, I think that any you know any help much better because there's obviously so many benefits, not just for that person themselves, but environmentally as well. Um, but any help towards that is a great thing.
1: We often talk about uh, kind of challenges and the, the negatives of the business, but very rarely the positives. What's happened in the last kind of 12 months that you've both been incredibly proud of? Do you think, you know what, that was absolutely excellent. We're so proud we did that.
3: Yeah, so from, from a personal perspective, I've, I've just really enjoyed being involved, like learning as well um, and kind of being involved in stuff like the Pro Veg Incubator, listening to loads of podcasts, you know, developing myself and stuff. But the other side of things, I I don't know if Rishma gets any kind of pleasure out of the meals that that she's creative oh, are yeah, exactly. on people's tables. there's yeah. nothing more personal than yeah. food, isn't it? And, day I, day. and actually
2: one of the lovely things is that we haven't had much negative feedback about the product. So I love it. I love reading the positive reviews. That that's something. And that, that makes me really happy just to think that someone's come home probably after a hard day at work and they've they've heated one of our meals up and they've they've had a really nice meal. So we do. You do? I'd hate for anyone to go home one night, have one of our meals and have a terrible time. That's not what you want, is it? So mm-hmm. all the positive reviews are, are great. They really give us encouragement.
0: Some people's taste buds are obviously very different. So, you know, if how do you deal with that negative review? Because I know quite a lot of bonus founders take it very personally and very much to heart. Does, does that hit you quite hard when you do get them?
2: It, it can do. Um, I think because I've worked in the food industry for quite a while, I, you know, i I'm I'm used to it, and I understand that everybody's um, food tastes are different, and something that's that someone likes might not, the other person might not like. But yeah, you know, I am passionate about what I do, so I can't say that it it doesn't hurt a little bit. But I try and just have a little bit of thick skin and get on with it. Um, but I will always, if there's a negative review, I'll always go back and look at that product or. Um, have a chat just to make sure that we're happy with it ourselves. But I don't think we've had that many negative reviews. Have we, David?
3: No, to be honest, the, the negative kind of comments that we've had have been around our learning on the job, um, picking and packing operation and and, and sending things out and they have not arrived in the best condition or um, time. Yeah, so we, we kind of changed couriers a couple of times because things we're getting delivered late or um, you know just being left and, and stuff. yeah you, you, you get that you get that kind of thing and we've had a, a few negative comments about that but we, we've just seen it as an opportunity to kind of do something good for our customers as well we buying our meals and having, having an inconvenience it's supposed to be convenient so if we can go back to a customer and know make good on, on what we've done wrong uh, operationally then it gives us an opportunity to to form a, a good relationship with the customer and some some of the people that have, have had that in the early days are, are actually our best customers now so
0: um I'd like to go just back to one thing you mentioned earlier which I think is an incredibly powerful um, thing to, to impart is Through the challenges you've faced in every situation so far in scaling this business, you've just said opportunity. It's an opportunity to to make our customers happy. It's an opportunity to refine the process. It's an opportunity. That mindset in itself is incredibly rare in um, young entrepreneurs they're often taking it very personally. They, they often feel it as though it's a failure or something they need to just, oh my God, can I really do this? Whereas, in fact, what I'm hearing is something really powerful, which is you're seeing pretty much all of these opportunities to just make things better.
2: I mean, you're never going to launch as the perfect, there's always opportunity to make it better, definitely. Um,
3: David. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that both of us have got, I think Rishma's worked with her family business, is it 13 years? Yeah,
2: maybe no, more 14, 15 Don't years. Want to be I,
3: your was, age I know, away, I know, I'm getting on that. <laughs> yeah, I've been involved in it probably for five years now, and and in that time, you, you see loads of stuff, all positive and negative. Yeah. You go through all sorts. So, you know, what we've been through with boot kitchen is kind of we've been through with with other things ourselves you know know.
2: but there are so many to go back to the word opportunity there are so many opportunities out there you know this market the plant-based market is 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 growing and it's a fantastic market and there's just so so much that we can go at isn't there yeah
3: there is I know, obviously, through your twenties, you, you think you you know everything, but when it when it comes to these mid thirties and and stuff, but right? just talking from a personal perspective here, yeah, like you you look for ways to improve yourself all the time, whether it's going to the gym or if it's kind of go starting running to get your best ten k time, or you know wanting <laughs> a little bit extra from a business, and and. Uh, develop yourself a little bit more that that way so i don't know it's the mindset i've got at the moment it might not be like this after another year
1: It'll be <laughs> just to expand on that guys in terms of opportunity and we talked a little bit about patience as well when an opportunity perhaps doesn't go as you had planned it or something doesn't work out do you ever get those entrepreneurial self-doubts where you think good god what am i doing here i'm massively out of my depth or i'm not qualified to be doing this
2: I don't think, from a personal perspective, I haven't felt like that. If there's anything that's been a slight knockback, I'd probably have half a day of sulking and then, you know, the next morning I'm up and on with a positive attitude to, you know, move on to the next thing. Or if I think that, you know, that knockback is not necessarily correct, just trying to make it it right.
3: I think we're both quite positive in that respect. Mm. It's you know We've had some really interesting retailer pitches so far. Some have gone great, others not so well. Um, but we've all come off, off the back of them and we're like, oh, well, they, they said no, but that's probably just a not yet. They're probably just not ready, or we're just not ready yet. So, yeah. you know, we'll keep in touch with them and, and, yeah, because, and we'll go know, there again.
2: We are still um, a new business, aren't we? And we're still learning. So, you know, there's so much time for us to succeed more than we are and you know so many different opportunities that we keep saying to to go at so it's just a a case of keep going and and keep trying and just as long as we know we're doing our absolute best then that's enough isn't
1: it do you think you'll go eventually to raise funds and to go down the the vc route or something like that i'm keen to hear what does the future of root kitchen look like where can we expect to see you guys in three five years time
2: We're, I'm not sure about the VC side of things, if I'm honest. Um, but who knows? You know, It depends what opportunities do come up. If there's something in it, you know that's a fantastic opportunity and we can't afford to do it, then who's, who knows what will happen? It is, it's not out of the picture. It's just not, for me, it's not in my direct line of sight. So
3: I think yeah. both of us have a little bit of a problem with being managed or told what to do. Um, so, that I don't know if that would work well with a VC or or anything like that. But it does um, massively
0: change the dynamic. Yes,
3: really yeah. but you never know, do you? Like, it it
2: just depends how we get on over the next couple of years, I suppose. Um, and because we're not in a in a because obviously we want to, things to progress in a in a nice pace we, we're not in a rush to do everything overnight so you know we want to take our time and build the brand properly um rather than just just do everything in a in a rush so
1: and that's a massively you, refreshing mindset to hear someone that actually is prepared to wait and to go the hard yards and to not force growth unfortunately i guess we look at our us counterparts and those looking to scale a businesses out there and suddenly everything is hustle 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 and you can sleep when you're dead kind of mentality It's like, well, hold on a minute how about we enjoy the journey and how about we take our time to get there we'll still get there but it might not be an overnight success it might be that it takes three four five years to get to where we want to get to
2: yeah and at least when we get to there we'll know who we are and what we want to be because we will have taken that time to consider it so that's that's the mindset i have anyway
1: just quickly, okay. how do you both switch? How do you both switch off? How do you just escape? Well, obviously, you go home. Uh, you may talk about work and uh, each other, but then actually, how do you just forget about work and and just totally distance yourself and, re- and rest?
2: To be honest, I'm not sure I ever do. But um, you know, uh, a little bit of exercise, and we, we're fortunate to live in quite a nice, pretty area. So walking around there is lovely. Um, and, and spending time with family because both of us have got children, so you know that children always take up a little bit of time. <laughs> the perfect work.
1: distraction, yeah. 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 <laughs> but <laughs> you
2: know, as far as work goes, for me, work's always on my mind. It's I don't think.
1: Did you resent that, Chris? you do you resent that, Rich? Or do you think that's all right? Because again, for me, I recently I've been thinking, oh, you know what? It would be nice just to not think about work for five minutes.
2: Sometimes I suppose that I feel tired from it, but. I think it's in my nature, and it's the person I am. I, I, I think I'd be bored if I wasn't thinking about work. If, if I'm on, I'm not saying every time I put the TV on and get into a box set that I'm thinking about work. You know, there is a an hour here or if, you know a few hours there that you're not, but generally, you know, work's on my mind and thinking, putting lists together in my head of what I've got to do and what needs to be done. And I just think it's natural and normal for anyone that's that's business minded and career minded. Most most of my friends are
3: like that as well. I'd say. Uh, I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but like, I really value my own space as well. Um, so, whether that's going to the gym or going for a run in the morning or walking the dog or uh, playing golf on my own, you know, I think when when you're involved in something that's like quite fast paced and all hustle and bustle, that. Mm-hmm. that hour to yourself even if you are thinking about work does give you a bit of clarity and you know a different viewpoint on things yes
0: yeah. I, 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 I suppose nathan and i both work in a particular world of agency life is quite social um in terms of you have to make it social in order to kind of build a network and kind of you know reach people and talk to people and unfortunately i'm a, a bit of a uh, Social butterfly, I have to be talking to someone, I have to be surrounded by someone. My wife tells me if I was on my own, I, I just uh, it just wouldn't work. I'd be out immediately looking for the next group of people to come talk to or what's going on and uh, push myself on them. So, you know, if you fancy around the golf, don't talk to me, talk to Nathan, it's far better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, mean,
3: I always. <laughs>
1: It's i think a, the, the biggest thing is about being present and i think that's something that all owner founders can probably relate to is how you can be present in a moment with the children with the other halves the wives the partners the husbands or whatever's while also not thinking about working that's something i've really struggled on is just always but always but always it doesn't matter if i'm getting in the shower if i'm waking up if i'm making a coffee if i'm walking the dog for sure i'll be in a conversation but just somewhere in that mind there is something going oh could do that what about that or i'm talking about oh tomorrow i must do this and you're like just for two minutes can i just think about what the person is telling me about not about everything else that's going on over there
2: i think it's being able to compartmentalize those thoughts so you have them but you think right i'm going to put that to the back of there for a few minutes because i'm just about to do dinner or you know it's try yeah you know i have them and it is frustrating like you're saying but I just sort of put it to the side for for a little bit of time until I'm ready to deal. with
3: it. This is when you go shopping, though, and you know you're like, oh, that's nice packaging. Or yeah. why why were they put that in such a yeah. place? Or I wonder how much the brand's paying for this promo. or yeah. you know, that's so when it's when I yeah. start like, yeah.
0: feeling the thickness of the card and going, oh, what the print? What have they yeah. used on that? Yeah. I wonder how much that yeah. uh, Corex has cost them yeah. per unit. It's, <laughs> my wife is just like, for God's sake, please, just you're not yeah. coming shopping with me again
1: yeah Yeah, guys unfortunately uh we're running out of time for today's episode it's been amazing to meet you both i've never met a a brother-in-law and sister-in-law that worked together and it sounds like the perfect combination it's been so lovely to hear the story and we can't wait to see where root kitchen goes over the next 6 12 18 months hopefully we can all come back on the the show and uh and find out what's been going on and and where you've managed to take it but just from on behalf of james and myself (laughs) a huge huge thank you for joining us today i appreciate that life is super busy uh taste testing did sound great but actually uh, i think after a few weeks the novelty would wear off and so Rich, i was going to offer to come and taste test but i think i'll leave daniel very capable hands <laughs> but for those that are interested in root kitchen please do, do visit rootkitchen.uk uh, check out the website there's some fantastic meals on there they're a wonderful company it'd be great uh, for you guys to go and support them but once again on behalf of james and myself a massive thank you to you both I hope those listening enjoyed and we look forward to seeing you on the next show. Many thanks.
2: Thank awesome, you very guys. much for having me as well. It's been lovely to talk to you and meet you both. Thank you.
1: Yeah, Cheers, guys. Preacher. Thanks, guys. Take care.
3: Bye.
2: Thank you.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Brand Designs. Make sure you follow us on social at the Armoury Agency to be notified as we release each new episode. And if you're a brand owner or know someone who'd love to be part of our next series, drop us an email to social at thearmoury.agency. See you next time.